0: But for now, let's grab our Bibles. We have a lot, I'm sure, that will unfold. We have quite a few things in terms of just the practicalities that we will talk about in coming weeks. But we always like, on the first Sunday of a new year, to really bring a word, hopefully in season, but to pause and to reflect and ponder, what is it that the Lord is saying to us This year, How are we recalibrating our hearts? And in many ways, I've already prayed into it, so we could probably say amen and all go off and enjoy our New Year's Day. But I do want us to look at a passage of Scripture. We're going to turn together to Exodus 17. And as you do that, let me pray for our time. Father, we thank you for a new year. In some ways, it's just the turning of the page on a calendar. But in another sense, we recognize that you are a God who ordains times and seasons. And we, at all times and in all ways, want to be a people posture to hear your voice. And so we pray this year that you would speak to each and every one of us. Give us ears to hear what it is that you are saying to us personally and what what you are saying to us as your people. Father, I, I do pray as we begin... A new year together, that there would be that sense of drawing close to you. I thank you in advance that you have everything that we need. You are a God who provides. You are a God of more than enough. I feel like that's a word for someone this morning, whatever it is that you're facing. He has already paid and provided for your need. And would we Be a people who come with that sense of wide-eyed wonder and expectancy to see what it is you might do in us and through us this year. We pray for this time and your scriptures. Use them to encourage our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the favorite portions of scripture that I've always appreciated in the Old Testament is the books that detail the wilderness wanderings. Here are God's people, and there's so much that we see at work. This picture of God's deliverance, of His sovereignty, of His leading, of His provision, the times when His people get it right, the times when His people completely make a meal of it. God's plan at work in the midst of this season. And we're going to pick up one of these accounts from the book of Exodus, just to bring us up to speed. This is a moment where the people have been delivered from Egypt. God has sent his deliverer, he's sent Moses in, he's performed incredible signs and wonders and the people have been set free. And here they find themselves now a people in the midst of wilderness wanderings as God leads them through. And it says this in Exodus 17, verse 1. All the congregation of the people... The nation of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin, just a quick aside, that's actually a place name, although it does seem poignant in the context of the passage, and they moved by stages according to the commandment of the Lord, camping eventually at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink, therefore the the people quarreled with Moses. They said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall we do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it The people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, I want us to grab this phrase, is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us? I want to speak to us on that theme and with that particular title. Is the Lord among us? Why don't you find someone around you? Say that. Is the Lord among us? Is the Lord among us? The Lord is among us. us. I like that. So let's approach this perhaps by... Going to the punchline or the main point, and then we'll come back and unpack exactly what it is that the Lord is illustrating here in this passage of Scripture. So we have an account. The people have been delivered and brought out into a dry and a barren place. All of a sudden, there is no water. And what is it that goes wrong in the mix of this picture? Well, it's very simple because I've already given you the answer. And it is the title of the message. It says, the people of Israel tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? See, what is it that they got wrong in the midst of this scenario? They forgot and lost sight of a God who was in the midst of his people. Now, this seems fascinating to me because clearly they would not have denied if you would asked them that God was there in a general sense. He just delivered them through. They'd seen the power of his outstretched arm. They'd seen the miracles that he had performed. But he didn't just want a people who knew him from a distance. That was never his heart. He wanted a people who would say, with faith, as we just heard, Surely the Lord is amongst us. See, they always seemed, didn't they, to experience and receive the benefits of God, but still remain at enough distance to maintain their offense and their right to be right. And so God brings them into this place. And we see very clearly this wasn't a moment where God was trying to test their cleverness. He wasn't trying to see whether they could think up some more creative strategies. It wasn't for them to try and strive and work their way through in their own effort. This was a moment for them to remember, to recognize, and to grab a hold of this God who was in their midst. They put God to test because they forgot a God who was with them. Isn't that fascinating? And although this is a colourful story, it comes with it a strong warning. If you read Hebrews 3 and 1 Corinthians 10, they both talk about this particular encounter in the wilderness. Hebrews 3, it says, Therefore, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. Do not be like the people who experience the blessings of God and yet... Still, they forgot and put God to the test because they lost sight of that reality, that he himself was in their midst. See, what was God looking for? Well, I believe, as I've alluded, alluded to before, the thing that's stirring in my heart, God was looking for a people like Moses. So the Israelites were in this place, weren't they, where they received the blessings of God And yet they never really desired or entered into that reality of a relationship with him. Whereas Moses, he saw all the benefits of God and God even said, well, I'll give you everything. I'll still be, I'll provide. And Moses said, forget about it. If you're not in it, then I want no part of this. In fact, if you read on that passage, he says, "I, I need to know you. That is the desire and the delight of my heart. It's not the blessings. It's not all the things you could potentially, possibly do. I've recognized and realized that my desperate need is for you. So here's the simple reality as we begin another year. We can't always change circumstances. Anyone learned that the hard way? Wouldn't that be nice to start a new year and say, well, I'm just going to change a few circumstances in my life. Probably you all have our list. Maybe there's a few people there as well. that We can't change our circumstances, but what we can do is change how we respond. And so I want us to think through this reality. What, what, what does that look like? That's God's desire for his people. And that's how they fell into this place of sin and of testing the Lord by forgetting that he was in their midst. So what needs to change? What what difference does that make? What does it look like for us to be a people who recognize he's out working in our midst? Number one, it changes how we look or the way that we look. I wrote that title and I thought... Not to be misconstrued, it doesn't change the way we look, although maybe it does. Maybe there's a happier disposition. But it changes the way we look. It changes our perspective of situations and circumstances. See, what happened to the people in this scenario is they became far more impressed by the problems that were around them than they were by the promises and the purposes and the power of God that was with them. Often we say that, you've probably said this to your little kids, I've said it many times when you know, kids are upset or afraid and I say, well, it says in Scripture, sweetheart, greater is he who is with me than he that is in the world. And it makes a nice little sort of Sunday school Scripture verse, doesn't it? But how many of us actually live that way? Greater is he who is in me, who is with me, greater is the God in my midst, in my life, who is for us, who is with us, than anything that could come against us. This is the God who's just delivered his people, and already they've become far more impressed and consumed and concerned by the problems around them. This is how it changes how we look at the things of life, because we recognize greater is he. Greater is he who is with us. So this people had found themselves without water. But I love this. It says up front. In fact, some translations begin with this statement. It says, according to the commandment of the Lord, the people moved from camp to camp. You see, this wasn't a mistake, this wasn't a wrong term, it wasn't an oversight, a heavenly counsel that perhaps overlooked a few details. This was the specific leading, specific purpose, and the specific time and moment of the unfolding of God's plans. And yet here they find themselves in the midst of the wilderness, and a wilderness without water. It doesn't sound like much of an encouragement, but my hope this morning is that by the time we finish, we'll see this reality and this encounter as good and great news, that wherever we find ourselves, God is with us, and God is for us, and God is in control. So there are times that God intentionally leads us and we find ourselves in the wilderness. Now, it's not always the leading of God. It's not the focus this morning, but just as an aside, sometimes it can be sin. Sometimes it can be... There can be all sorts of different reasons that we might find ourselves in this place. But this passage makes it clear that there are times that God himself will lead us into a place that has no water. And so here's what we need to remember. If God was leading them, and if God is leading us, and if they or we find ourselves in a place that has no water, then it's because God has led them to that place because he wants us to experience what it is that we find around us. I think a great picture is Christ himself as he begins his ministry. He's baptized by... John in the Jordan, you can read this in Luke 4, and it says, full of the Spirit, what happens then? He gets led into the wilderness, into a dry place. And, of course, he comes out of that place, it says, in the power of the Spirit. So if God leads us into a dry place or a dry season when it feels like nothing is coming to pass, where there's hopes that feel like they're on delay when the fruit of our labor is long in coming, it is for a reason. God's purpose is there in the midst of the dry and barren seasons, oftentimes even more than he is in the midst of the harvest and the times of fruitfulness. I won't ask for a show of hands, but every year, undoubtedly, there's many of us who begin the year with New Year's resolutions that involve fitness, fitness, weight loss, diets, partly I'm sure it's the uh, perhaps indulgent moments that we've had over the preceding week or so. But we begin, don't we, with these great desires, perhaps it's a number on the scale, perhaps it's a distance we can run, a personal best, a a time. There's, There's some sort of a desire that we have, a goal, in might. And as the New Year resolutions progress, we find that often we're very good at making the goals. We're not often so good at seeing them through. Just being honest. Maybe someone else is like that. Maybe some of us in the midst, and I'm not saying at all that uh, New Year resolutions are bad. I think it's good to have goals. Maybe some of us would hire or consider hiring a personal trainer in that process. Yes, down the front, we're excited about personal trainers. Well, a good trainer won't do this, will they? They won't turn up to your first appointment and say, look, I've bought you all my leftover Christmas ham. Here you go. Be quite the opposite. A good trainer will put you through your paces. And if we want the results, then there is a discipline and there is an effort that needs to be put in. We're very good at asking the Lord for all the blessings. We're not so good at times at embracing the testings. So this is our encouragement, though, in the midst of that scenario. It was the Lord, undoubtedly, who'd led them to Rephidim. Not to leave them there, not to, to test them without purpose. It wasn't an oversight. But that that dry place would turn out to be the place where they encounter and experience Him in a fresh and a new way, where that place becomes a place of His provision and their blessing. So as we launch into this year, I want to ask us, what is it that we are seeing? Because if we are a people unlike the people we read about, and Hebrew warns us not to become this hard-hearted people, then we will see what's before us, the good and the bad, as incredible moments to recognize the God who is with us. And if he's with us, then there's a greater reality than anything that would come against us. So it changes the way we look. Number two is simply this, it changes how we listen or what we listen to. See, if the people had remembered that, if they had recognised and realised, hang on a second, we're in a dry place but God is in our midst, what would have been their response? It would have been, surely, well, we need to seek the Lord. Verse 2 would have read, and they fell on their knees. They turned to the Lord and in prayers to seek. Where is Jesus? Jesus, you're leading us. There's no doubt. There's no denying your hand. So what is it that your voice is saying? Rather than that response, what do we hear? It says, the people conspired together. They jumped in the middle of the problem. They formed judgments against God. They were getting in each other's ears. They were grumbling and complaining and eventually acted as judge, jury, and executioner to the extent that Moses is like, Whoa, God, what are we going to do? They're here ready to kill me. And that wasn't a, an instantaneous. Th- th- these people had conspired together. I think as I, I listen to that story, I'm like, was there anyone? Surely there's a few people in the midst who were like, hey, guys, maybe, you know, maybe this is not the right path. Maybe we need Moses alive rather than dead. Who are we going to blame then? If Moses is dead, we've got no one else. Surely there must have been some thought or recognition. But it spoke to me as I looked at that about how quickly we get caught up in the voices of the crowd. Just because the crowd is screaming it loudly doesn't always mean it's right. In fact, so often it is the exact opposite. And before we criticize these people here for listening to one another, listening to the grumbling and complaining rather than seeking the leading of the Lord, how many of us can genuinely say that we've come through the last year let alone the last few years, fully listening for and trusting in the voice of the Lord. How many of us can honor, with some hands, it was a rhetorical question, but you can raise your hands, that's fine. How many of us would say that at no time in our lives do we ever react in response to any voices around us other than His voice? You see, we live in an era and a time, don't we, where the noise is on the increase, which we would expect. That's what scriptures say. Just before the time of Christ, there'll be false messiahs. There will be great deception. We need to be aware and we need to be careful of what voice we are listening to. And yes, there's value in good teaching and good preachers, but above everything else, it's got to be his voice. He's, he has given us His Word to lead us and to guide us. We need to every day, daily be seeking through His Scriptures, through His revealed, His, his Word. We, we need to be inclining our ears to hear His voice. Pride goes before a fall, and I hope none of us would say, well, I would, I would never be one of those. It would just go along with the crowd. Paul talks to Timothy, doesn't he? He says, the deception's so great that it would cause even the elect to stumble. We need to develop our listening ears, to listen for his voice. So change is how we look. It changes how we listen. And number three, this reality of God in our midst, it changes the very longings of our hearts. And I love this. We read in verse 5, God's solution. What would be our solution? Well, if you were anything like me, I'd be like, get rid of these people. Let's get this over and done with. Smite them in the desert. Cause something to just come. You swallow them. Do whatever you've got to do, Lord. Take them out. Call down judgment from heaven. But the Lord speaks to Moses and he says this. Go before the people. Take the elders. They have put me on trial publicly. My provision And my solution will also be a public display. And he says, strike the rock and I will come myself. And the scholars love to talk about, well, what did this look like? Was this the glory cloud that was with them in the desert? Was this an Old Testament appearance of Christ? But whatever it was, there was some picture visibly for the people as he stood before the rock. And as Moses struck the rock with his rod... And out of that, out of the Lord himself, came life-giving water. Just in case we, we missed that in the Old Testament analogy, 1 Corinthians 10.4, it specifies it. And it says in this picture, talking about the water that came forth, it says the people drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now it's a specific picture. These people were deserving of judgment, and here is the greatness and the goodness And the kindness of God, he says, strike me instead. Put the judgment upon me. And from that judgment that he took upon himself came mercy. It's an incredible picture. But here's the reality in the midst of it. See, God didn't want to just provide for them. He wanted to show them that he himself was their provider. He didn't want to just give them deliverance. He wanted to show them that he was the deliverer. What they needed was not just a drink that would temporarily satisfy their thirst. What they needed, what they were missing was him. What they needed was the living water. Not just the gifts, but the giver. He's saying, here is what you need. You need me. Here is what you've forgotten and you've lost sight of. As soon as things got tough, you lost sight of that reality that I am with you. And if I am with you, then what could ever stand against you? Where's my lovely wife? Is she here? Do you want to come up? Help us bring this together. See, we can have all the blessings in the world. All the gifts, all the wisdom, all the favor. But without Christ, without his presence, we have nothing. He's not the means to an end. Christ himself is the end. And he's the beginning. And he's every bit and every step and every breath along this journey. So I want to encourage us as we begin another year. As we read from scriptures, this account of a people, God's people. God's people that he had delivered from captivity. God's people that... Even here in the midst of their thirst, in the wilderness, even despite their rebellion against Him, putting Him on trial, still He provides. Still He provides. There is this sense of His grace and mercy in spite of our failings. And yet, this picture speaks of a deeper invitation Hebrews says don't be that kind of hard-hearted people don't be a people that are just content with the peripherals they're just happy to kind of enjoy the, the cream on the top the blessings saying, be that people that as Moses cried out Lord it's you or nothing take the world Take it all. Take every blessing you could pour out. If you're not in it, I want nothing to do with it. Why don't you close your eyes this morning? I want to pray for us. Feel like just in the quietness of this moment as we begin another year there's <laughs> an opportunity to surrender uh, lord i just want to thank you i want to thank you for the greatness of your mercy lord i want to acknowledge that so often i see myself not in the successes, but in the failings, as we've read, of your people. Chasing after things, getting caught up in things, losing perspective of listening to the wrong voices. And I pray, Lord, for myself and I pray for each and every one of us personally, but particularly for us as your people. That as we go through this year, as we finish this year, this would be our confession, this would be our proclamation, but this would be the reality. Surely God is amongst us. Surely He is. The times where it was obvious and evident, times where it felt like a, a wilderness, dry and barren land. Surely God is amongst us. I pray for that reality of your presence this year. I pray that we'd see many moments of you. Your miraculous hand and deliverance. The water from the rock. I pray that this would be a year, Lord, where we do enter in in a new way to the fullness of your promises for us. We thank you for the words that you've spoken over people here and over this place. But I pray more than anything else for a fresh hunger for you. Pray that we'd see differently this year. Pray that we'd listen differently this year. And I pray that we would hunger and thirst differently this year. Not just for a drink of water, but for the one who is living. Not just for deliverance, but for the one who is our deliverer. Not just for your gifts, but for the one who is the giver of every good gift. Even now, just let your presence rest upon us. May there be moments in your presence this year, holy moments caught up in that reality of you. Realizing and recognizing that nothing else matters. So I just ask the Lord for there to be a a grace to surrender afresh to you today. Lay it all down. Lay our all upon the altar.
1: That's how we want to live,
0: Lord. Lives laid down, laid down, lovers.